we'll get started with the morning scripture. This morning scripture reading comes from John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Praise God. Praise God. It's a scripture that we are all uh, very familiar with. And, of course, being this is the last Sunday before Christmas, and so we're going to obviously focus on the birth of Christ today. But we should realize that in addition to the traditional nativity story, that we should understand what it's really all about. Everyone sitting in this room has been planning for Christmas over the last several months or seasons or whatever for Christmas Day and gift giving and and holiday planning and whatnot. A lot of planning goes into all of our lives during Christmas season. And the same way that we do a lot of planning to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we have to stop and think about God the Father. God is the ultimate planner, the ultimate planner. And he was planning the birth of his son going back hundreds of years before this actually happened. Actually, it goes back to shortly after, after man was thrown into sin in the Garden of Eden. God knew that he had to redeem mankind unto himself. You look in the book of Isaiah and you look in many of the Old Testament books and references made directly to Jesus Christ. Last Sunday we talked about when Samuel was told to go to Jesse and God would show him which one of his sons had to be anointed. Okay, had to be had to be anointed to be the king over Israel. And we know that Jesse's son David was the one that was anointed, and guess who David is an ancestor to? Jesus Christ. You see? So God, the master planner, was planning the birth of Jesus for many hundreds of years because he wanted to redeem mankind to himself. And so looking at that, let's go to the word of God because I just find it so fascinating. Um, go to Luke one. Luke chapter 1. I find it so fascinating to read, you know, and if you have, um, if you have a, a good study Bible, uh, most of the beginnings of the books will have the, the author, the theme of the book, and the approximate date of writing and everything. And it's so fascinating when I read, read and study the Bible to see the approximate dates of when these things were written and how it refers back to Old Testament and the hundreds of years that spanned in between. It just goes to show you that all of the pieces in the Bible hang together. The Bible does not contradict itself, not by a long shot. Uh, it all hangs together. And so looking at the plan that God had, let's go to Luke 1. And also I want you to focus on today, while everyone acknowledges, Christians acknowledge, that we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Jesus Christ, we can also see that the events leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ, as chronicled in the Bible, Holy Scripture inspiring these words to be written by man, we see those events that are very applicable to us today. And it shows you, if you really analyze the events that led up to Jesus' birth, you will see that those same events apply to us today, and it gives us some insights and knowledge as to how God works in the lives of human beings. If you can get to understand how God works in the lives of human beings, then when things happen in our lives today, we understand how God works, and it doesn't seem like our circumstances are so impossible, you see, because God has a plan. The same way God had a plan to save us, the same way God had a plan to bring his only begotten son into this world, the same way God has a plan for your life. 
God has a plan for your life, and you've got to believe that, okay? And if you really believe that, then that means that nothing, nothing, nothing that is going on in your life can't be managed by God, okay? God is the ultimate planner. The same way, if he went through all of this planning for thousands of years to bring, hundreds of years to bring his son here, all right, to save us, then God wouldn't do all that work to save us and then just have us out there faltering. You understand? Does that make sense? All right. We, we, God is not a God that just randomly plans things, not, not by a long shot. So looking at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 26. And we see here, which in theological terms is called the Annunciation of Jesus' birth. It actually just means the announcement, but they call it the Annunciation. Uh, verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. You see that? We just got through saying that Samuel anointed David, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou who art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Just as a side note, blessed art thou among women. That's where, where the Catholics got that term and they, held, they hold Mary up as being blessed and so special and so forth. She was indeed blessed, but we don't pray to Mary. Okay, let's get that straight. We don't pray to Mary. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And you see there where an angel appears to us many times. You see in Scripture they say, Fear not, telling us not to fear them. So you can under underline, Fear not. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So now here the angel is telling her that this is the name that you will give him. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Now please in the line, how shall this be? And if you haven't done it before, write in your margin, doubt. Okay? How shall this be? Now you see right away here an angel is coming to, the, to her. And he's pronouncing these things to her. But then she says, how shall this be? How can this happen? And the same thing happens to us so many times in our lives. God will put us in a position. God will tell us something. You may hear God audibly, or you may have a knowing, just a knowing that this is what God wants for you. But then inside we say to ourselves, well, how can this work? You know, the odds are against it. She's saying, how can this be, seeing that I've never known a man? She's never had relations, so how can she become pregnant? All right? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, thee shall be called the Son of God. Please underline, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth also has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So please no line, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So what we see at first, there was doubt. God gave her a word, and then there was some doubt. Then God comes back with reassurance. And the same thing happens to us again in our lives, you know. When God tells us something to do, and you have that knowing that this is what God wants you to do, you have this knowing, and then there's, there's some doubt, you know. 
God is talking to you, God's going to give you some reassurances, you know, and tell you, don't worry, this is how it's going to be. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because with God, nothing is impossible. I don't care what is going on in your life. I don't care what seems like it's an impossible situation. I don't care right now if in your mind you cannot figure it out. The Word of God is saying here, for with God, nothing is impossible. All right? Nothing. All right? So, so don't be stressed out about what is happening in your life where you can't see the end game where you don't understand how it's going to work out you've got to have the supernatural faith that with God nothing is impossible okay then it goes on here in verse number 38 and Mary said behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed so now please in the line be it unto me according to thy word and what this is if you have room write in your margin submission alright so if you go back and you read the words that I asked you to write into your margin you have doubt then you have reassurance from God and then finally submission so what does that mean in terms of us in our lives God tells us a thing God gives us something to do God tells us and we doubt it okay many times we do then God comes back and reassures us, don't worry, just have faith in me because with me, God, nothing is impossible. And then the reassurance, I mean the submission comes in, in when you finally say, okay, Lord, I raise my hands, I'll do what you want me to do. You see? So many times why, why we are not victorious in our lives is because God may be telling us to do something. And when that doubt comes in and God comes back and tells you, don't worry how impossible it seems. I'm telling you, I'm going to do this, that we still don't submit. We still don't submit. We start trying to figure out how can we help God. How can we, how can we make our situations better? You know, then you start trying to figure it out. All right? And the problem with that is many of the times the choices that we make, the things that we figure out, may not be the right things to do. You see? So we have to get to the point of submitting to God. Of submitting. And I tell you, you've probably heard me say this before. In the many churches I've been over the years, um, ministering and so forth, um, Almost traditionally, congregations are made up of almost 75% women. Almost 75% women are the, is the, 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 the um, makeup of most congregations. And that is because men have the hardest time submitting to God. Men have the hardest time, especially in this, in this Western culture. Men have the hardest times in raising their hands and simply even praising God. You know, just giving in and surrendering to the Lord. Men have the hardest time because it's that machismo, that macho thing in this Western culture that we have for men to give in. You see? But we must get to a point where we realize, and this goes to men and women now, you know, that we realize that God is greater than us. God is certainly smarter than us. God knows yesterday, today, and forever, so why can't I simply submit to God and let him run my life? You see, that's the challenging thing. So when Mary got to this point now, she finally said, Okay, Lord, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. Okay, now, let's go move forward to Luke chapter 2. Okay. Incidentally, this was around the time what the angel was talking about and said that her cousin Elizabeth was giving birth. If you look at the beginning of Luke 1, it talks about the pregnancy of John, of John the Baptist's mother, uh, Elizabeth. That's what it's talking about. And verses 39 in chapter 1 talks about how she went to visit. Um, Elizabeth, Mary went to visit Elizabeth. And when she walked up to Elizabeth, John the Baptist, who was six months in Elizabeth's belly, 
John the Baptist leaped in the womb when Mary approached her. You see, this is the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit. You know, and this is why we in this ministry, why we pray for babies, babies, the moment that the moment from the moment of conception, we pray for our babies here. You know, because it speaks of babies being filled in the womb by Holy Spirit. You know, and when you pray for babies while they're in in in, in the, during the pregnancy, early pregnancy months, and throughout the pregnancy, when they're born, they're different. I mean, they they are that they're different. There's a, there's a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit, and you can see. Now, that does not mean because the baby has, has an infilling while she, he or she is in the womb, that after the baby's born, you can just say hands off and the baby's going to raise itself. God still expects us to raise the baby, okay? But there's an anointing there, and I will tell you that I've seen a difference in babies that, that are, have been anointed and prayed over like that. I see a difference. I see a difference, and I've seen it for many years. I see it. All my grandchildren, I see, I see the difference in them, you know. So praise God. So um, then we move to Luke chapter 2, and we go to verse number 1. Chapter 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this registration was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, everyone unto his own city. Please underline everyone unto his own city. All right, now, here we see where God is using the affairs and the laws of men for his own purpose. You see, a census was required. Okay, and because there was a real census here, everyone had to go back to their own city. All right. So Joseph, verse four, Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called what Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. You see? Now, he had to go back to, to, to the home of his ancestors, and it's interesting that it's Bethlehem. You know, we all, we know the rest of the story, but it's interesting that it's Bethlehem. So how did he get to Bethlehem? Well, man said that there had to be, because of the law, you had to go back to your place of origin, to your ancestor's place. So you see, God will take the affairs of men, even, and use them for his own purpose. God intended for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, means house of bread. And we heard Jesus refer to the scripture as what? The bread of life. Amen? Okay? You see, so God's the master planner. Nothing, nothing absolutely nothing is by, is by accident with God. God uses the affairs of men. The same way we see what's happening in the world around us, we see what's happening in this country. Do not think for an iota of a second, for a nanosecond, that God is not in charge. Okay? Everything that we see happening in this country abroad, the capital and so forth, the laws and this and that, and we may sit back and shake our heads and say, Lord, why don't you step in and stop this? Why don't you do something about it? God is in charge, and God is using everything that's happening for his own purpose. Amen? Amen. So he sees here, and it says there, because he was of the house and lineage of David, and remember it was uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where it talks about how Samuel went to Jesse, the father of David, and, and was looking for this one that had to be anointed. God told him to anoint it. Jesse, remember, Jesse sent out his first sons and second sons, and Samuel said, no, it's not he, it's not he, it's not he. And he went through all of the sons, and then Samuel said, there must be one more, there must be one more. And he said, oh, well, he's out in the field, it's David, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, bring him here. And when he brought Dave to him, he knew this was the one the Lord wanted him to anoint, it, to anoint, okay? So therefore, he was anointed. As you know, David became the king, the king of Israel. So David is Jesus Christ's um, ancestor, all right? Lineage. He's in lineage. Verse 5. 
to be registered with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in, an, in, in the inn. And again, being born in a manger, this is humility. You know, this is, this is not anything fancy. There were no glorious purple robes and so forth. Verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very much afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. See, there it is again. When the, when the angels appear, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be, be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Please underline the word babe there. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So we see this angelic announcement now of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 continues and says, And it came to pass... As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Please underline the word babe again, lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. Um, and when they had seen it, they made known uh, abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they, all they that had heard it wondered all those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen uh, as, as it was told to them. Okay, now, so you, see, so you see they did that. And if you go to, let me go to, I think it's Matthew here. Okay, so now, now go to Matthew chapter, Matthew 1. Go to, go to 2, 2 in Matthew. Okay, chapter 2 in Matthew. So, okay, so now we see that Jesus was born. But now I want to show you the other events of men here, because the same way there was opposition there was opposition from the time that Jesus was born, and that opposition against Jesus Christ continues until today. Okay? The name of Jesus is such a threat to people. They're trying to just wipe it out of every spoken word, wipe it out of posters and signs. The, some of the cities that have traditionally had, had, had major, ma manger scenes on display are now being told that you can't have manger displays in public or they want to put up some other obnoxious, vile uh, objects next to them and so on. We see that from the very time that Jesus was born, there was opposition. Okay, so chapter 2 here, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, Herod in scripture is, is referred to also as a type of the devil because of the fact that he was so evil and the things that he did. All right, so he's referred to in scripture as the devil. Um, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen this star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
when, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be, where the Christ should be born. All right, now, he didn't know where. He just knew that this Christ, the anointed one, Christ means the anointed one. He, he just knew that he was going to be born. He wanted to know where. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So they're referring back to the scriptures. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of these, uh, these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time, um, what time the star appeared. So diligently means that he was in a state of panic. He wanted to know when did the star appear. He wanted to find out where this child was. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. Now please underline young child. Because now we've gone from a babe, all of a sudden now we see diligently for the young child. And when we have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Underline worship him also and write in your margin lie. Bald-faced lie. Okay, Herod had no plans of worshiping him at all. He wanted to know where he was. Verse number 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Incidentally, just to pause there for a moment, there is nothing in Scripture that indicates that there are only three wise men. The reason the Christmas cards and everything else that we show say three wise men because they mention three gifts. Okay, these were wise men. They were, the, the, old, the other word is um, magi. Magi, you know, these were men who were learned men who knew astronomy and they knew about about the stars and things like that. All right, but anyway, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. Okay. And when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring the word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Okay? So now here we see, as with, as with Jesus, God is protecting us also. God is telling Joseph exactly what to do step by step through dreams and speaking to him, you see. And God does the same thing to us today. You know, there are folks, there are people, there are, 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 are those that would not like to see us succeed at what we do in life. I mean, let, let, let's face it. I'm not saying that we should go around feeling that we're being persecuted and everyone is out to get us and some people are wishing us harm. But there are some that maybe not would, would like to see you succeed in what you're doing. God will protect you every single step of the way, no matter what. God knows the future, you see. And so he's telling him that, that he wants to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. You see, the prophecies are always coming true. You see, and then in 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all its borders from two, year old and two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. 
Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, uh, and would not be be comforted, because they were not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead who sought the child's life. You see? So some time had gone by. Herod obviously knew that Jesus was no longer this anointed one. The Savior was no longer a babe. Right? We underlined babe. So about two years had gone by, okay, between the time that Jesus was actually born and when Herod was, when Herod was seeking to destroy him and when the, the, um, the, the intervention or the conversation with the wise men, all right? So according to this, it wasn't that the wise men were necessarily at the manger there when he was a babe because some time had gone by, had passed by the time. And it's just interesting to show you, though, how the Bible really paints a clear picture of exactly what was going on and how because there was such evil in the land, they knew that Jesus was Messiah, and they wanted him killed at that early age. They tried to stop God's plan, okay? We know that that didn't happen because obviously Jesus grew and went to the cross where his work was finally fulfilled. Amen? His work was finally fulfilled. So, but but here, every single step of the way, God was guiding Joseph and Mary, you know? The interesting thing, too, is that when Joseph first found out about Mary, he wanted to put her away. The word of God says, put her away privately. Because in those days, if you became pregnant and you weren't married, I mean, it was a disgrace. It was a disgrace, okay? Because he did not realize that his, that his wife was carrying a divine baby. As we know through Scripture, the Lord spoke to Joseph, and Joseph understood it. So Joseph was following God every step of the way. And this is what we must realize when we celebrate this Christmas season. You know, we, 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 we not only should, should look at our trees and look at the gifts. I mean, it's wonderful that we're giving gifts in honor of the fact that God gave his ultimate gift. But think about what is really, really involved with that. Okay, because what we don't remember is that the planning, the, the ultimate, the tremendous planning that God did, the some planning that God did to even get Jesus here. And from the time that God had the plan to get him here, right away there was satanic, satanic um, uh, plans to do away with that, to, present, to prevent it. But the same way God guided Joseph and guided Mary, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same thing he will do in our lives. The same thing. God wants you to come into your fullness. He wants you to, to bring to fruition in your lives his plan for you the same way he did for his son, Jesus Christ. You see? But so many times we forget that. So many times we forget to submit like Mary. So many times we forget to be obedient like Joseph. You know, Joseph didn't know what was waiting for him. Suppose he just decided to say, I'm not going down to Egypt. What, I want, what would I want to go to Egypt for? You know, he didn't know what Herod was planning to do, but God knows, you see. And that's what we need to get accustomed to in our lives is to understand what God is saying. Now, how many of us know when we're hearing from God? You know, you've got an issue going on in your life. How do you know? You know, God can speak to us in dreams, you know, and people have come to me over the years and, you know, I dream so and so that, and I don't get into interpreting dreams. I, that's not my gift, not my calling. But I will tell people, though, if you had a dream you felt like God was speaking to you, God will not give you a dream and then not, and not have you know what 
what the dream is because how can you carry it out if you don't understand it? Amen? Amen? If you get an unction and a feeling that God is telling you to do something, then you need to pray about it so that you can follow and do what God is calling you to do. Remember, remembering that nothing is impossible uh, for God. Um, so now in verse uh, 19, as we close out here, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead who sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. And therefore was known as Jesus of Nazareth. You see? You see? So every single step here, even things where he was sidetracked and told to go here and told to go there, it wound it up exactly where God wanted Jesus to be. You see? Exactly. All right? So if God can do all of this, you know, in his plan, the same thing applies to us. That's my point today. That God gave us the ultimate gift. He gave us the greatest gift of all times, and that was his son, Jesus Christ. But remembering, though, that this is Christmas time and that we have the gift of Jesus in our lives, also think about, think about the, 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 the path, the steps that God took from the time that the angel, that the Holy Spirit came to, uh, the angel came, gave to announce it to Mary. Mary's doubt, God's reassurance with me, nothing is impossible. Mary finally saying, okay, God, I surrender. Us having to do the same thing. God, I surrender. You know, many of us right now are wrestling with things in our lives. We've got decisions we need to make. There, you know, we've we, we got family members or job issues or whatever it might be that we're wrestling with and we're praying to the Lord. God may be telling you what to do or what not to do. But yes, you have to simply say, God, I surrender. You know, you know better than I. Don't get caught up in trying to figure out how to do it yourself, you know. And then rest assured knowing that with God nothing is impossible. And then as you go through your steps in life, whatever that plan is, God's going to guide you every step of the way. Okay? He will be there. He will be there, you know. The same way the prophets wrote about God, I wrote about Jesus and and prophesied about what needed to be done. You know, um, each of us, none of us have a holy Bible written about us. But if there could be, if you could read the book of your life, I would suspect and I would say that in the life of Ian, in the life of Stephanie Brandon Candace, you know, God said, God said, God said. At some point, God, the word of God says that he knew us before the foundations of the earth. So God has a plan for your life. If you could go back and read the book of your life, you would see where God prophesied that this will happen in your life. God prophesied that this would happen in your life, you see. And as the book of your life continues to be written, you know, God will from time to time bring to your remembrance. You remember six months ago I told you? It'll, it'll happen to you. It will happen to you if it hasn't already. Where God will bring back to remembrance. Do you remember I told you a month ago? Remember I told you five years ago? Sometimes God will give you a glimpse of where things are going to be like into the future for you. But this is the book of your life. In the same way that God had this beautiful plan to bring his son here to save us, there is also a plan for your life. All right? But if you really want to benefit from it, you have to surrender to God and you have to listen to him. And regardless of how impossible it may seem, 
what, what you think God is telling you, what you hear God telling you, or whatever it is you have to accomplish, no matter how impossible it might seem, if you remember that with God all things is possible, all right, all things are possible, and just submit to do what he tells you to do every single step of the way, You'll be, you'll be victorious. You'll be victorious. All right? Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.